Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. How many of you were at prayer on Monday night? Had a record crop, didn't we, Dan? 91. Now, I know that includes the kids. And some people say, well, you shouldn't include the kids. Listen, we got one little guy. How old is Camden? He's 10. Praying up a storm right over there. I'm telling you. I mean, this is, this is not from something he's just kind of, you know, mimicking anybody else. He's actually praying. Listen, at Azusa Street, the kids that were around in Azusa Street, they were around that environment. They saw the miracles. They saw the things that were happening. They saw the, the people that were, that were there that were used of God. They got to the place where they played when the glory of God would come into the place. They would play in that cloud. And then they would come, they would come and they would just start laying hands on people. And people got healed. People got born again. People got set free because of kids. So don't dismiss the kids. You know, I, I look around and, and um, uh, in fact, as I, I was just told recently, in fact, I think it was Miss Iris who was telling me, or maybe she told somebody and they told me, that little Tegan, who is all of five, how he can really pray. And I'm thinking, well, now, how, she's not around Tegan. He's not in Faith Island. How could she know he, he, how he prays? But come to find out, Jody, who was over there one Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago when Miss Iris was up there um, serving that morning as well, you know, he had Tegan with him before service, and so they all get together, obviously, and they pray before the kids arrive. And uh, somebody said, Tegan, you want to pray? He goes, sure. I think that's what he's... And he went, went to praying about how we were going to have a blessed service and all this. I'm going, he's... Five. Five. I look at that and I just think, what a tremendous blessing he's going to be by the time he's 10. What a tremendous blessing he's going to be by the time he's 15. What a tremendous blessing he's going to be by the time he's 20. I'm telling you what, kids who were raised in that kind of environment, who become familiar with the, with the moving of the Holy Ghost and with the, with the glory that comes in when people pray, are going to be such dynamic men and women of God. We're going to be so jealous because, because we weren't able to do that. You know, some of us, you know, were raised in church we were raised in church, but we really didn't get it. You know, uh, some of you maybe have been raised in a church that, that really didn't teach anything. I was taught an awful lot, and, and I'm thankful for my, my Pentecostal heritage. I really am. But in, in spite of the fact that I was introduced to a lot of things, you know, you know about prayer and, and about, the, about the Holy Ghost, and that, there was so much that I wasn't taught that I didn't learn, and so it was harder to believe it as an adult because I wasn't raised in it. You know, it's easy for kids. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I know of, of uh, who was it, um, the Kendrick's littlest one, when Briley was still over here in the toddler room and was sick one day with a fever, 
she was at home, and she just began to, to, to sing, I'm so glad that the Lord healed me. I'm so glad that the Lord healed me. You know, and so her mom came back and said, what, what was the lesson on Sunday? And they said, Jesus heals. She was three, not even three. That, I mean, when you're three, you leave there and go. So she was two years old. Nobody told me that when I was two. And so I didn't get, grab a hold of it until I was much, 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 much older because I was raised strictly in an environment where God heals if it's his will. I, I'm just, I'm looking at what revival in this church will do for our little ones. You know, the, the us grown-ups will continually have to fight the enemy and we have to continually renew our minds because of what the things that have been put into us over the years. We're going to have to constantly stand again. Because you'll be amazed sometimes at what comes out of you, even though you've been in a church like this for a number of years. You suddenly hear you say something and go, Did I say that? Really? I, I did. Oh, I, guess I don't even believe that. And somehow it just came right out. You know, that conditioning that we experienced growing up, if we grew up in church, sometimes, you know, is hard to overcome. It's hard to get past. But I'm telling you what, the children that we have here, I'm telling you what, when they're taught from the time that they can pay the least bit of attention, that Jesus loves you, that you are somebody, that Jesus always heals. You know, what a heritage we're giving them to grow up on. What boldness we're giving them to walk in as they grow and they're out in the world, you know, their little world. You know, God is just, he's working in them. He's working in, in growing a crop of believers. I'm telling you. And when I look around and see the people who are involved in children's ministry over this church, you know, and all the different things, you know, whether it's babies, you know, where you can, you know, you, you take them in your arms and their spirits are alive unto God. Mentally, they may not be able to grasp a hold of what you're saying to them, but I'm telling you what, they will get it on the inside. Their spirits are alive. And they're going to be able to take that, you know, and as we, as we just reinforce it class after class, when they move from the babies to the toddlers, you know, to the primary department and up in Faith Island, you know, you know a couple of weeks ago, they just had a, had a marvelous service up there where, where kids were so reverent. They had this awesome worship service. Kendra was leading praise and worship that morning, and she just, she just thought, okay, it's what? I think it was the beginning of spring break. The end of spring break. And I'm telling you, it's tough sometimes to get their attention by that time. But, but that morning she went up there with, the, with the, just the inward witness that they needed to have a worship service. And those children participated. They really got into it. You know, it's not babysitting. It's not babysitting. It is a ministry. Miss Ira, I mean, Miss Edna, have you got something you want to say? I was just feeling, I wasn't depressed or anything. Sometimes you just need a hug. And I was standing up talking to Pastor Greg about a situation. And Ella, I was standing right here, and she came and grabbed my leg, and she would not let go. 
and uh, her mom was standing there. I guess she was a bit embarrassed because Ella was not letting go. And <laughs> after a while, the power of God was going through my leg, and I couldn't talk to Pastor Greg anymore. So I turned and paid attention to her, and I picked her up. And that child held me so tight. The spirit of the Lord came on the both of us, and I was just standing here, and God said, there's your hug. He will use, it was just amazing, and that just blessed me so. And she was just smiling the whole, I just, but she would not let go. And, um, it was she's, just amazing. She's all two and a half. Two and a half. You know, um, Cindy Duvall gave me a book this week. She left it on my desk Sunday morning about uh, Azusa Street. And uh, this man, his name is Tommy Welchel, was actually not part of Azusa Street, and yet God used him. He was able to spend lots and lots of time with the people who had been children during the Azusa Street revival. And they told him all the stories and things that had happened, you know, during that time. And, and um, I haven't gotten very far into it, but let me just read this. It said, sometime in 1910, Seymour just stood up on the stage. That's William Seymour, who was basically in charge of the Azusa Street Revival. It said, Seymour just stood up on the stage, took a box off his head, and started prophesying. He said, in about 100 years, there would be another revival like Azusa Street. Only this time, it would not be in one place. It would be all over the world. There would be a return of the Shekinah glory and the miracles. This revival would not be with just one person or just pastors. It would be with everybody in the body. This time, the revival will not end until the Lord returns. Seymour repeated this revelation more than once. All the saints, these are the saints that had been at Azusa Street as children, told Tommy this prophecy. On the opposite coast in New York City, According to Charles Parham's daughter, now Charles Parham was the man who, who was instrumental in the, in the Topeka, Kansas revival. He said, Parham stood up one day, just, just stood up, and declared the same prophecy using almost the exact same words. This happened within a couple of days of Seymour's prophecy. They both pronounced that this modern-day outpouring would surpass Acts 2, Topeka, and Azusa. Celebrate. We are now in the hundred year period and you are alive in this time. Hallelujah. You know, we, we, we're, we're just we're talking so much about revival in the last oh couple of months and just can't get away from it. Cannot get away from it. You know, the more you talk about it, the more defined it becomes. The more we talk about it, the more real it becomes in our hearts. The more we talk about it, the more there is to say about it. The more we talk about it, the more God gives us to say about it. If Mark 11 says that we need to say four times, we're believing God for mighty things. But it says to say it, four, it says four times to one. If you want to go back and look at that, that scripture in Mark 11, you know, believe it and say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. We have to get used to saying the revival is here. The revival is here. The revival is in me. The revival is in my church. The revival is in my workplace. The revival is in, is, is in my family. 
I mean, we have to continually say, I tell you, the more we say it, the bigger it gets. The bigger it gets. And so I, you know, in prayer on, on, uh, on Monday night, you know, it was just, I thought there was just some unusual things that just the Lord was, was uh, showing me about. And, and so I, I just, I, we're just going to have a talk tonight. That's, that's really all I can say is we're just going to have a talk. You know, and whatever, whatever he brings up, you know, I, we're, that's just what I'm going to talk about. And um, thank God for prayer. Amen. Yeah, at one point, you know, Monday night, I was, I was praying about boldness, that we get more and more boldness, bold. You know, over in Acts, you know, the children, uh, the, the church there prayed, you know, Father, grant with all boldness that your servants would speak your word. And he's granting the boldness, but we have to step into the boldness that he gives us. Can't be afraid of, of the boldness. Can't be afraid of anything. We have to be determined and committed to when he speaks to our heart that we do exactly what he says. You know, there was a phrase in this book that the Lord kept telling this, this particular gentleman. He said, be patient and obedient. There may be some things in our hearts that we know are going to happen, but don't try to make them happen. Be patient until the one that's on the inside of you says, it's time. It's time. You know, there's, there's, there's you know, just a daily application, you know, when it comes to just witnessing to people, a daily application when this person is in your presence, just like Miss Iris, that we, you know, we check on the inside and go, yeah, okay, this is right. There are bigger things that God wants to show you, bigger things he wants you to step into, but those bigger things, that's where you have to be patient and obedient. Patient and obedient. You know, there's, it's, it's true in every area of our lives that, that God's plan for us will unfold at his pace and not ours. Uh, you know, just, it's just in our lives, you know, just... Uh, it, just going out to Rama, I know Pastor had, had he was beginning to have that stirring on the inside of him in the late seventies, you know, about about ministry and going into Bible school. But I was not in a place where God could talk to me. This was okay. I was not going to listen, and so he had to wait. And he knew he was having to wait on me, but he was also waiting on God to say it's time. And I can't honestly tell you that when the decision was made that. He told me it's time to go, that I was totally in agreement with that. But I had a few months once I said, okay, we'll go, reluctantly. It took a few. During that time, then I got to a place where I was ready to go. And so when we got there, it was time. And then I was ready to stay. I didn't want to go anywhere. I liked it out in Oklahoma. You know, the plan was that by that time that, that he could go a couple of years, and, and you didn't have to go two years back then, but then maybe at some point I could go. But, you know, God that spring started dealing with him about leaving to come home. And when he told me that, I'm going, I don't want to go home. I'm thinking, my heavens, the poor man had to pray me out there. Now he's got to pray to get me back home, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just stubborn as the day is long, you know, that, that, that's me. That used to be me. 
I have my moments still. <laughs> you know, but the plan of God was unfolding, but you couldn't make it happen. I said, what are we going home to? He said, I don't know. I think I'm supposed to travel and teach. And I said, well, what are we going to do when we get home? I don't know. Okay, great. I'm not a person who likes the unknown. I don't like that. I want to know exactly where I am and where I'm going and what I'm going to do on the way there and what I'm going to do when I get there. And yeah, I want it all laid out. I'm not comfortable with unknowns. You know, I, I am. And, and that's, that's one of the biggest things I, I have to, like tonight, this is the big unknown. Um, I, I don't like that. I like to know where I'm going. I like to know what's happening here. But, you know, when we got home, I'm just thinking, well, well, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Well, you know, we had a little bit of money, and I'm looking for a job, and we're just trying to figure out, okay, what's the next step? And, you know, it was just from Sunday to Thursday when he got in, was gotten, uh, these people from the Fort White area got a hold of him through our pastor. And one week later, so we're talking about, oh, what? 13, 12, 12 days, something like that, had his first meeting with the people in Fort White, and the rest is history. You know, you can't make that kind of thing happen. Too many people try to make something happen. Um, PG and Amy, when they were, they knew they were supposed to go to Bible school, they thought they would go right the first year after they got married, and God said, no, stay. There was ob some obvious reasons why they stayed, you know, during that, that next year. But then the, the following year, th this, is, this is your time to go. And fortunately for them, they were there when Dad Hagen was, was still alive. They were there when, when Brother Keith Moore was still teaching in the school. So they got the, the benefit of their, of their ministries. Um, but they didn't push it. You know, there's a right time. Stephen and Rachel, when they got married, Stephen knew he was going to go to Bible school. He thought they would wait you know, for a year or two, and suddenly, you know, they'd just been married just, a, just I mean, a few weeks, when he just suddenly knew, I'm supposed to go to Bible school this year, this year, this year. And so they made plans, they got out there, that's great. Um, they were there when Dad Hagen died. They had the benefit, at least, of his ministry for part of the time they were there. And... Uh, that was just timing God. You can't make things happen. So just understand that when God starts talking to you about bigger things, don't try to make things happen. Just be patient and obedient. You know, I, I look back in the, in the word, you know, about, about Abraham. When God said go, Abraham immediately went. When you've got the green light, don't hang around. Pack your bags and go. Whatever, whatever it is, go. You know, it could be just a small situation, which you think is a small situation. When Put that down and go. It may not be some big thing like moving to another place or, or changing jobs. Or but in any situation, when God suddenly says go, don't think it out. Don't try to reason, well, i got to do this first. You know, my kids used to say that when I say, I need you to do this now, just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. I was famous for doing that to my mom because I was a big reader when I was growing up, and I always had my nose in a book, and she'd say, I need you to come set the table, just a minute. And 10 minutes later, she's going, I told you to come set the table. 
Uh, yes, ma'am. But I knew that tone real well. And uh, God doesn't need to use, have to use that tone with us. We need to get to a place where we immediately, no matter what time of day or night is, if he says, go, you don't stop to ask questions. Don't try to stop and reason it out. Don't try to stop and figure out what this means. If you know on the inside of you that he said go, then you go. You know, the, the, the shepherds on the hill the night Jesus was born and the angels came down. They said, go tell. They didn't argue with them. They just got up and went. They immediately responded to that. You know, there's, there's going to be some key things that are going to happen because people immediately respond to the leading of the Lord. And things that won't happen if we delay. Won't happen. So we need to be very conscious of the leading that we get. And how do you know that? Just by becoming familiar with the Holy Spirit. By staying full of Him. You know, over in Ephesians 5, it says that you be being, well, take a look at it, because that's not exactly the way the King James says it. Ephesians 5 Amen. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5. Well, let's, let's start in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, that is unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time. This is buying up every opportunity in another translation. Because the days are evil. Well, if you can't call the days we live in evil, I don't think there's ever been a time. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The other translation says, be constantly being filled. You know, I gave you, a, I gave you a, a, an object lesson one time. You know, I had a glass of water, you know, and, and uh, the water glasses this full. And we had water up to here. Most of us would call that a full glass. But that's really not what full is. Full is when it comes all the way here. And one more drop means it's going to spill over. That's the place where we have to stay full. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of feeling that we have to constantly be conscious of. You know, when you're giving out, you have to keep putting back in. I, I, Buddy Harrison, who was Brother Hagen's father-in-law, I mean, he coined, I don't know if he coined this phrase, but he's where I heard it first. He said, when your outgo exceeds your input, then your upkeep becomes your downfall. Isn't that good? You have to be conscious of the output so that you can put something back in because you have got to stay at that place where you're full and the next drop is running over. That's the kind of full. You know, we operate from a place so many times where because we're not full, then we make missteps. When you're not full, then something else is taking up the space that should be full of the Spirit. Do you understand that? Um, we're, we're relatively full, but we're letting this situation just plague us. We're letting this worry us. We're, we're trying to figure out how, how is this going to work? How are we going to manage this? What are we going to do about this? We're relatively, but you know what? When you're this full, the top of the glass is here and I'm here full, there's no room for any kind of distraction. 
There's no room for, for the enemy to come in and bother my mind, to plague my mind, to get me to think something other than what the Word says about that situation because I'm full. There's no room for anything else. And so we have to stay in a place where we're completely full. When you're completely full of the Spirit, then we're going to just, just I hate to say it like this, but just naturally do what we're supposed to do. Because by that time, the supernatural has become natural to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we operate from a place where we just automatically go into spirit mode, that becomes natural to us. You see, the kids of Azusa playing in the glory cloud was just natural to them. It was, an, it was something that wasn't unusual, didn't freak them out. Didn't, didn't, parents didn't have an issue with it. And they go, oh, yeah, we're playing. Somebody might think, well, that's kind of irreverent. I don't think it was irreverent at all. That's why it doesn't bother us one little bit when, when they bring little ones, you know, to prayer on Monday night. You know, I, who knows what all that jibber-jabbering back there is, you know. They, they can be talking to God as much as I am, for all I know. Their spirits are alive to God. What, who's to say they're not communicating? I don't know. Now they get to screaming, I figure that's probably not communicating with God. <laughs> but who knows other than that? And so, you know, I was just, I was just praying about, about being bold the other night. And um, something else came up, you know, that, that we don't get tired. You know, sometimes, you know, you just, there's, just a, there's just a certain kind of fatigue that sets in. And honestly, it kind of feels that way tonight in, in one sense of the word. There's like a fatigue in the room. Uh, we, you, you, you build up, you know, a set of services like we had on Sunday. Shekinah's here, and we're all geared up for it. And then, and then afterwards, if we're not careful, we kind of go, oh, okay, let me just kind of take a break here. Not time to take a break. Not time to take a break. I found a scripture over in Psalm this afternoon, Psalm 59.9. that says, because of his strength, I will wait upon thee fact is, let's just look at that real quick, if you don't mind. Psalm 59. I, I tell you what, David was, was such a treasure. If you go back and read his psalms, and, and you can compare the psalms he wrote, and if you go back into, into, into a earlier books of the Bible, you can see where his life, you know, corresponds with so many of these psalms. And he's talking about those that who, who, had wait, who were waiting in, in ambush for him. And, uh, and, and looking at this, in verse 9, it says, because of his strength, and I'm sure what he was meant was because of his enemy's strength. Because of his strength, the enemy's strength, I will wait on you, Lord. For you, God, or my defense. One translation of that, of that part that says, I will wait upon thee, says, I will watch, give heed to you, and sing praises. You know, there, there comes a time when we have to be sure that we spend some time waiting on the Lord. And in waiting, what do you mean by waiting on the Lord? I think, well, that, that's just the amplified translation. And, and I think it, that's a pretty good explanation of what it means to wait on the Lord. To watch to give heed to him and to sing praises. Watch. 
give heed to and sing praises. You know, you've got to take the things that would distract and bring them all back in line. We've got to get to where we have spiritual blinders on, so to speak, so that we don't see all this stuff out here that would try to affect us. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. We can't afford to just kind of just take a, okay, we're going to take a day off. You know, we were all geared up for Sunday when she kind of was here. We were all geared up for this service or that service. It's not time to ever slack off. We have to be mindful of those things so that we stir ourselves up, you know, and, and keep ourselves in a place where we are ready for anything and everything. You know, Isaiah 41, 30, 31 says, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I know by this time of the week, sometimes we're kind of going, okay, we're only two more days till the work week is over. But, you know, those who wait on the Lord, wait, watch, give heed to, sing praises. Those who do those things shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I want to be in that place where there's never a down day. There's never an off day. There's never a slack day. And it doesn't have to be, it's not put on, but it's something that genuinely comes from the inside, you know, that you just want to just get right in there at the drop of a hat, you know, and just sing praises to God. When, when the body begins to feel like, you know, it's tired, you know, we can mount up with wings as eagles in spite of it. We can... Watch, give heed to, and sing praises to God and cause that to go. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We're talking about joy tonight, singing about joy tonight. You know, there's a lot of joy that comes just from spending time with him. If I, I talk to people and, and, and they're all down, I say, you've you got to find your place of joy again. Once you find that place of joy, all the other things will fall into place. But see, when you lose your joy, then you don't have any perspective anymore. So we don't need to come in here. We need to keep our, keep our perspective that God has, that he's already given to us. Keep it in the forefront all the time. And whatever we got to do to stay full, do it. Do it. Um, I, I, was, I know I'm kind of just jumping around, but just as the Lord brings these things back to mind, I, I was... Um, reminded on, on Monday night during prayer that there will be opportunities that we have to be aware of for the enemy to bring something counterfeit into our midst. You know, there's always, in every move of God, there's always been a place where the enemy has tried to counterfeit it. Back in, was that the, the late 80s or early 90s? There was several things that were happening. Gold dust, feathers, this kind of stuff. Listen, I'm, I fully expect there to be some unusual manifestations of God. If this revival that was talked about in this book that says that the revival that was coming in 100 years would be greater, it was, that it would surpass Acts 2, Topeka and Azusa, then there are things that we have never seen, never even heard of that are going to take place. But in the middle of that, we have to be very aware that we judge all things so that when the enemy tries to counterfeit something, like the feather business back in the late 80s and the gold dust 
and some of the other things. Don't you think all that's happened before? It has. He doesn't generally have anything new, but we have to make sure that we're in a place where we're on the lookout and we're following the Holy Ghost on the inside. He is the teacher and the guide, and he'll lead us into all truth. You know, just, you know, just as a matter of course, you generally speaking, when certain things happen, if you kind of go, well, is that God or not? Number one, check on the inside of you. Number two, be built up in the Word so that, so that you know, does it line up with the Word? Does it, does it um, go cross-grain in any way to the Word? And does it bring glory to God or does it bring, is it trying to bring glory to an individual? Is the attention on the person or does that, whatever that thing is that's having that manifestation, does that cause a, 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 a glorifying of God? See, we, we have to be mindful that these things can and will take place. Whatever the, the Lord is doing, the enemy is going to try his best to derail. I think that was the, your word I, I prayed on, on Monday night was a derail. See, we must be mindful of these things so that the move of God that's just in our own personal lives, the move of God that's only in this church, the move of God that's on around the world does not get derailed. Because of people. You know, revivals have come and gone, and so many times people have gotten in the midst of revival and then suddenly have have just very, very um, little by little have allowed things to get in so that they kind of took a, a pride about what was happening. It became became all about me somehow that I'm really gifted. Listen, anybody who ever begins to think about themselves and how gifted they are and how powerfully God uses me, you know, there's a, there's a pride issue there. And that will derail any move of God. God has to get all of the glory. Not 99%, but 100% of the glory has to go to him. And if he so chooses to use you or me, then count yourself as honored that God would choose to use you. We, but God wants to use you. That's the point. He wants to use all of us. There's not a, that is for just those people or that category of person, or that age group. God wants to use everybody from the smallest, like Ella on Sunday, two years old, to the oldest. And we will not try to figure out who that is tonight. Amen. It's not you, Miss Ed. I know that. <laughs> But God wants to use each and every one of us. He has a specific way that he wants to use you. The way he uses you won't be like he uses somebody else. So don't ever look at somebody and say, well, I wish I was used like that. Just, be, just be, look at those persons and say, I wish I could get myself to the place where I was willing to be used like they are. You know, if you see somebody who eagerly steps out, and who always is right there, you know, ready to go, then you say, Lord, I want to be like that. You know, you can, you can ask the Lord to help you be like that. But don't ask me to, that, you, that you be used like they're used. He wants to use you the way he wants to use you. You are uniquely created, uniquely equipped to be used the way he wants to use you. So we stay in, we stay in, in that vein you know, with, with obeying him, we will always come out on top. Amen? Hallelujah. Is this making any sense tonight? 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, and in the middle of all that, you know, today I wrote this down, that we need to always have clarity of mind. And clarity of mind will not come unless you have clarity of spirit. You know, you have to go back to the basics, the foundations. And, you know, go back over to John 14, where it talks about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the one who's coming. And I'll just go over there real quick, John 14. You know, if you don't have this written in your Bible, you, you need to. In verse, chapter 14, verse 17, he's called the spirit of truth. That one thing right there is going to help us have clarity of spirit because he is the, the truth. He'll lead us into all truth. If you drop down to verse 26, that word comforter, if you don't have it written in your Bible, you need to, you need to get a pen right now and write it. That The way the Amplified puts that is that he's your counselor, your helper, your intercessor, your advocate, your strengthener, your standby. Whenever you come to that verse, whenever you come across this page, you need to always be able to see that you've written those things in there so that you know exactly where to go when you need a counselor. You know where to go when you need a helper. You know where to go when you need an intercessor. You, knew, you know where to go when you need an advocate. You know where to go when you need a standby. And you know where to go when you need a strengthener. Oh, hallelujah. The one who is truth, he'll lead you into all truth. And there are times when the enemy will come and he will try to tell you something other than what you know to be true. Well, I just love the fact that over in 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, Hallelujah. See where I want to start. Hallelujah. Well, let's just go to verse 27 then. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth and is no lie. There are times when you're going to have to look the devil in the eye and say, I know what's true, and it is no lie. I know what's true, it is no lie. I know what's true, and it is no lie. So you have to get to a place where you are, you are completely, I think, think the Apostle Paul put it, fully persuaded of some things. Fully persuaded. Once you become fully persuaded, you know the truth, and it is no lie. What God puts in your heart, it's the truth, and it is no lie. No lie. No matter what the enemy tries to tell you, no matter what the circumstances say, no matter how your, your mind might fight you on it, you have to continually say, it's the truth and no lie. Because you're going to have opportunities, you know, in every area, whether it's, you know, finances, whether it's health, whether it's relationships, whether it's job situations, no matter what, you're going to have opportunities where the enemy is going to try to come and tell you, this, is, this stuff isn't true. It's not true. God wants to use me. No, he doesn't want to use you. You go, no, it's the truth, and it's not a lie. My body is failing. No, uh -uh. The, the word says that my strength is renewed. You know, it's the truth. It's no lie. 
you know, the Bible, he's going to try to tell you that, that there's no provision for you, that there's, that there's lack on every hand. Nope, nope, the word says he provides all of my needs according to his riches and glory. It's the truth. It's no lie. You know, going back to the foundations of, of our life in God, you know, sometimes it's the thing that will keep us steady and keep us stable and keep us moving on in the plan that God's got for our lives. And um, the whole thing is, I'm seeing such a difference in people. You know, just, I mean, God's just moving in our midst. You know, and I, and I, I go back to, to that scripture that says that we're being changed from glory to glory. Ah, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. It didn't say he was going to stop at any point. You know, because we're going to continue to grow. Until we get to heaven, we're going to continue to grow here. And I believe we're going to do some more growing when we get there. There are things that he can't get through to us down here, but we're going to continue to get an education in in the realm of the Spirit when we get there. But for down here, we're being changed from glory to glory. I'd like to get to the place in my life where I can say that happens on a daily basis. You know, some people are going to be satisfied just looking back from, oh, from last year. Well, from last year, I'm, I'm a whole lot better. How about from just yesterday? How about from yesterday? It is possible to be changed from glory to glory in 24 hours. Isn't that wonderful? There's no limit on the plan that God's got for us. And the way he wants to use us when we stay in a place where we're being changed from glory to glory, we're making ourselves more and more valuable to him by allowing him to change us and to cooperate with that changing process. For the person who doesn't like change, it's a tall order sometimes. But it's not impossible. It's just It gets down to a, a place where it's just a desire of my heart. When the desire of my heart gets into play, God is more than able to step in and cause that change to start taking place. And the more I desire it, the more change takes place. The more change takes place, the more I desire it. You know, it's, it's addicting. It's like that dessert sitting in the refrigerator that you said you're only going to have one bite of. And, and, you, and, you, and about five minutes later, you go back and go, just one more. And you do that till it's all gone. That's okay with the things of God. You can do that. He doesn't mind. Keep coming back for more. Keep coming back for more. Because one little dab was not enough. One little bite. One little taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. One taste leads to another. And the next taste, I'm still not satisfied. So i got to have another one. You know, that's, that's being changed from glory to glory. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.